we always say seat time is king so sit on down and listen in to motorsports tech talk with your hosts brian and eric eric how's it going oh, i'm doing pretty good man uh next week is the roar the race season's starting back up so not much to complain about yeah yeah you'll you'll be heading out which uh which team will you be working with out there um so it's still uh it'll be the volt racing but with that archangel motorsports umbrella mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah it's always it's always good to start up the next season i mean yeah it's relatively short break between last and and now but uh but yeah right i mean generally the break isn't that long but uh last year that schedule was extended right and uh mm -hmm. yeah barely had any off time yeah but i mean as as motorsports fans it's always good to now we can jump right back into it i think i think we plan to you know based on what you see there and what we the results are we'll probably go through kind of a a preview of of the daytona 24 talk about who we who he thinks looking good? Who's looking looking bad? Who's who's got it in the bag already? Who's who's sandbagging? Yep, <laughs> sounds like a plan. Uh, but uh, but today though, uh, today we would like to do kind of a part two on our our uh, intro to arrow uh, series. So in the first one, we talked about kind of basics of front splitters and uh, rear wings and then some also basic kind of aerodynamic uh, theory so if you miss that i would recommend watching or not watching but listening to that one first uh, and then jump into this one here so today we're looking to talk about uh, kind of a little going a little more in depth in in splitter and kind of front arrow design talk a little bit about uh, kind of underbody arrow just basics there as well as kind of flat bottoms and rear diffusers and just kind of talk about what if you're if you want to kind of step up your arrow game what you should kind of look for first and uh, kind of easy ways to try to get uh, get that underbody working for you without without doing something that either doesn't work or just yeah, spending too much time and money on something that that doesn't work so so yeah i mean i think i think we can start kind of expanding upon splitter design we mostly just kind of talked about your your standard flat splitter uh, that just extends from the front of the car um, we talked about kind of the the how the distance the from the splitter to the the ground can affect things so now that you have say now that you have your splitter in your car and you want to try to get some more out of it kind of one of the first areas you can look is uh having some uh, basically splitter diffusers at the bottom so the idea of those being that it creates uh, it kind of further helps accelerate the air through the bottom of that splitter by creating a low pressure at the outlet of that kind of that diffuser and um and yeah it, it works the same way as we'll talk later about a a rear diffuser but the the intention is to kind of help that bottom of the splitter which is similar to the rear wings is their kind of working surface of that that splitter so it helps really improve the efficiency yeah, and I mean, that that whole concept, um, you know, I mean, we can get into it later, sort of as you mentioned, but it's all um, pretty much a nozzle, right? Uh, if you had cut a nozzle in half and used the ground as that midplane, um, that's, that's what we're looking at, you know, that uh, flow um, has its, you know, tightest point or lowest pressure um right in front of where that nozzle tightens up right mm -hmm. so 
Yeah. So yeah, if so. you if you cut a nozzle in half, um, and I, I I don't mean now, I don't mean down the the tube, for you know how you generally approach it, but I mean in half, like at the neck, uh, it'll still work, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Just much less so, and that effectively yeah. is what having a flat bottom and a diffuser on your car is. But we yes. can get even more out of it with uh, what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, like talking about, we talked about uh, Bernoulli's principles last time, and it's just that similar effect when you, when you start with a, a small area and expand to a large area, uh, pressure has to decrease in order to, to fill that area. So by creating that low pressure, it creates an area for the air to want to escape to basically. So I guess when we call, just to make sure everyone's on the same page, when we say a kind of diffuser, we're talking about a kind of experience, you know, like, like Eric was saying, expanding, uh, kind of nozzle, uh, feature. So we're starting with, from kind of a side view or like a, a section of it, it just looks like a triangle. Uh, so it's, you know, it's, it's starting low to the ground and then, uh, increasing an area up to, towards, uh, you know, towards the, uh, I guess, away from the ground. So, mm-hmm. so as far, so as far as splitter diffusers, um, uh, most commonly they're found kind of in the area between the front tire and the, I guess the kind of lower portion of the the chassis or the the subframe so it's kind of one of the areas where you can try to get that flow into uh but you have to be careful with it kind of interacting with the tire too much so and then and then there's also um the the thought the i guess the question of what what angle to run that diffuser at so uh this uh, this is somewhere where uh, maybe you can do in your specific case a little like uh, like put some wool tufts on on it and try to try to see separation and things like that. But as far as uh, kind of practical areas to start, uh, similar to rear diffuser, um, I guess there's there's some papers you can find online uh, that they do some kind of bluff bodies testing. So it's it it's just kind of a think of like a almost like a derby like a slot car derby car or something something really simply shaped and then they they add a diffuser uh kind of element to it and and then they test different angles to see the kind of the the optimal performance and uh some of these papers will say usually somewhere in the range of uh 11 to 13 degrees is kind of the maximum you're going to see before separation so that that could be an area to start maybe start at like 10 degrees or so and uh, maybe work up from there. It also depends on, and that's just a simple diffuser that it's just kind of a, it's only expanding upward because you can also make make it so that it expands um, kind of in the yeah, outward direction. So not just in the, the Z, but also in the Y. Um, but then you have a... Uh... You have a rate of change limit for that volume, right? Yeah. So it's not um, not 11 degrees anymore if you're also expanding out. Yes. You have, um, yeah, or not 11 degrees upwards, right? You're, you're going to have to trim that back a little bit. Um, yeah. And this is where using vanes, at least in the rear of the diffuser, comes into play, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're capturing those volumes. Um so they yep. individually expand at a lower rate. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, and yeah, we can talk about uh, that a little more with the rear diffusers. But yeah, you can you can add vanes, and like you said, it kind of separates it out. It can help keep it uh, uh, attached, um, which is always a good thing. So so that's a that's another area you can kind of mess with. But most of the basic designs I see kind of just do a, a, a non-vein setup. So that's where you could start. Um, and it's it's really uh, what I find 
uh, when looking at cars with this setup. And we also added a, a, some diffusers onto our old Lemons, Lemons Volvo. Um, I find that in a lot of these cars, it's a it's very much a packaging uh, concern because there's usually a lot of a lot of stuff in that area. There can be uh, there could be power steering coolers. There could be uh, I mean, if it's still a street car, you can have like the charcoal canister and all that kind of stuff in there. So, and then also you're avoiding on one side you probably have the engine that's basically in the in the subframe that's blocking you, and then the other side you have the the tire. So. And kind of, you just have to look at what space you have and try to optimize the the size of it to to fit in that space. So that's where you could kind of mess with the expanding in both the 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 Z upward direction and and in the Y side to side direction in order to kind of maximize that expansion if you have tight kind of tight space space constraints. So and then of course the earlier you start that diffuser the the more expansion you can potentially get before it separates so that can that can help as well um and you'll i guess you'll also find and we'll talk about this with uh, diffusers that the, the kind of the the center i guess the peak low pressure point or i guess the peak uh the peak the, the center of pressure of the diffuser or or kind of the, the, I guess where you get your peak negative pressure will be at the initial portion uh, of that diffuser because that's where the air is moving the fastest, basically. So the more I guess the the further forward you move that inlet of the diffuser, the the further forward the center of pressure of that I guess part of the diffuser in this case because it's only going to be kind of a small or part of the splitter. It's only going to be a small part of it. So. That's uh, that's kind of uh, one thing to look out for, but uh, one thing I haven't really experimented too much with is is kind of if you can push that entry of that splitter diffuser too far, if you start to have kind of further separation issues as the air is entering into the the bottom of that splitter. So as long as you don't push it too close, it should be okay. But yeah, we've we've seen pretty good increases in in kind of the front downforce from uh, from adding a diffuser. So that's kind of your next area to, to to look at when you're designing your splitter. And just to be clear, when you say adding diffuser, you mean specifically they're on the splitter. Yes. Not we're not talking about further back, you know, anywhere else in the underbody yet. So yes, yeah, or the rear diffuser. So. Specific to the splitter right now. Um, so uh, from here, uh, I guess another another area where you can find a little more performance is, and it's it's pretty common to see on uh, all different sorts of race cars is uh, adding dive planes. So dive planes, they look sweet. They do look sweet. Um, very very often, it, it they're they're mostly. From what I've seen, they're mostly used as tuning tools for uh, when, say, race cars have different downforce packages. So one thing you'll notice for, like, say, LMP1 cars, and I think even potentially some of the GT Lama cars, uh, when they go from their kind of Lama low, the low downforce setup to their higher downforce, all the other racetrack setups, um, uh, a lot of times they'll add or remove those dive plans. So a lot of times that's allowing them to balance out the arrow between because they're they're going to run maybe a more aggressive uh, rear gurney flap on the rear wing or a different angle more aggressive angle of attack so in order to balance out the car out they'll add these dive planes on since maybe there's not really much room for them to modify the floor or this front splitter or anything um, from the kind of from the low down for spec so in my um understanding uh what i had been told previously was that um these are not particularly efficient like they add a lot of drag uh mm -hmm. does that sort of fall in line with uh what you know about them uh yeah because i mean it's you're gonna create kind of a uh 
a vortex off the ends of them, which will will add some induce some drag, similar to adding end plates uh, on a wing. Um, I think the the I guess the more uh, they kind of they 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 help with downforce in two ways. They uh, one, I mean, just their shape kind of it's kind of similar to they could be similar to kind of a wing profile. They're usually you know flat pieces of material, so it's not really highly optimized. But mainly, it's it's creating a kind of high pressure above, low pressure below, just as a uh, as a basic you know aero device. Um, but I guess one thing to note is when they're a lot of times you'll see them stacked. When you stack a few of them, uh, any kind of any low kind of the low pressure underneath will then be affected by the high pressure of the element below it. So like you, you kind of start getting diminishing returns as you add more elements. You can't just say add two giant front splitters to your car and expect them to double the front downforce because that that first, you know, the, the splitter above the other one, uh, basically there's going to be high pressure above the first splitter. It's going to reduce the effect of the low pressure below the other. So in this case, like adding a ton of dive planes might be kind of diminishing returns and adding a lot more drag. So maybe if you can make one large one, you could potentially get more benefit. But the other effect that a lot of these things have or that dive planes have is, is creating that vortex. And, and you can use that in several different ways. Now this is an area where I'm not as, as familiar. So my understanding is you can potentially try to use it to interact with the tire wake coming off the front and push it in a direction that you want to, or potentially you can also have it interact in some ways with the side of the car, uh, which then later kind of interacts with the rear wing potentially. So I think there's kind of a lot more to dive plane uh, design uh, than just... Uh, buying something and, and putting it somewhere on the bumper. But I, I do, um, for what it's worth, uh, when I was looking at the real, the real race cars, um, the dive planes on the Ford GT were mm -hmm. water jet, just pieces of aluminum. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so the, the shape of the dive plane was curved, right? But where it protruded from the car, that was still two-dimensional. Um, mm -hmm. And then they just had tabs bent off of that uh, where it was riveted to the car. <laughs> so yeah, you and your garage can make a GTLM quality dive plane, apparently. So Yeah, yeah, so don't... Don't go out there and buy those like really expensive carbon fiber ones. Uh, yeah, I would experiment. Yeah, with some just simple bent, maybe aluminum or or maybe even really thin steel. Uh, and yeah, experiment with that. See if it seems like it's affecting the balance of the car. Uh, but I think that should be if you're. I guess if your rule set allows you to build relatively large splitters i think you'll see more of a benefit from that before you need to start adding things like dive planes um and then i guess one other area of the front downforce that some people like to mess with is kind of adding almost end plates to the splitter uh now this this area this can be uh, a little tricky it's it's kind of uh, cuz a lot of times you'll see on on both kind of F1 front wings, uh, the front splitters on like LMP1 cars, uh, you'll see these kind of little uh, foot plates that they add that have these, uh, they're kind of like vortex channels. So basically they're trying to control the vortex off the front of that splitter. And similar to what I was saying with the dive planes, they're trying to affect the tire wake um, as well as potentially seal kind of the side of the car a little bit with it. So no, that's that's an area where if, if you're not doing... CFD and wind tunnel correlation and, and all this stuff, it, it's going to be very hard to just copy that for your car. So I, I think that's someplace maybe you should not focus on it, it's, at least at an amateur kind of grassroots level. It's something that uh, I don't think you'll see much benefits. At, at best, you might see a small benefit in downforce. Um, 
by at worst you're probably just adding some bunch of extra drag that you you don't need in your lower power potentially champ car or wrl car or something um so i think keeping it simple sticking to kind of your splitter with some um diffusers in it as well as yeah, maybe some dive planes if you feel like you need a little extra in the front but uh but otherwise i think you should be good with just the splitter with some with some diffusers in it. I think that should get you most of what you need. And you just tune by uh, tuning those diffusers, trying to make them a little larger, and as well as just that the size of your splitter. So that'll kind of that should get you plenty of front downforce to to balance out any any sort of rear wing you can find uh, for the most part, as long as you're not going to some crazy triple element. Uh, wing so uh, but from there uh, you're just I guess moving back to a, like a flat bottom yeah so uh, I guess yeah the you did your splitter you now optimized it with some diffusers and, and maybe some you added some dive planes if you need to you, you have your rear, rear wing and it's uh, set up with some nice swan neck mounts and you have some nicely designed end plates and everything. So from here, I guess one area that uh, uh, it's it's it can be very very big gains because you're you're starting to use more of the car basically as a as an air service. But yeah, is looking at the underbody. But this can also be, I feel, the hardest to get right in, in several different ways. Um, kind of the first way is to make make a structure that's kind of smooth enough that will keep the flow um, basically f attached underneath the car. A lot of times it can, uh, yeah, as you're, if you're making a bunch of different sheets that you're riveting together, you can create a lot of kind of bumpy spots, a lot of bolts sticking out, a lot of uh, like seams that aren't like nice and, uh, nice and close to each other that then that's going to really reduce the efficiency of a of a flat bottom um, um and then i think the the thing to look out for though the uh, the biggest thing to look out for with a flat bottom is uh is underbody cooling basically so when you close off your um, especially if you're fully closing off off your exhaust uh and a lot of other parts so so now basically if you if you keep your exhaust under the car you're gonna have a lot of issues with um, basically heat damage from from that exhaust you're uh, usually the the cars are designed to have that airflow under the car that helps cool both the uh, the exhaust itself as well as all the parts around it so you're going to start melting things really quick if you enclose your exhaust uh, underneath a flat bottom. So one of the easiest ways to kind of fix this is to run it out the side. So you'll you'll try to get it basically around around where the front wheels are. Try to get it to sneak out kind of the, the front wheel well and then have it come down the side. Alternatively, you can potentially maybe run it kind of through the actual kind of interior of the car. Obviously, you're going to want it sealed off and heat shielded nicely. But, um, but then the other option is to just leave it, leave the area around the exhaust open. But of course that's going to greatly reduce kind of your efficiency there. Or you can get a mid or rear engine car. Yes. Yeah. Just go that, buy a Porsche. You're good to go. Also help. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, or a Fiero, you could do a Fiero. I mean, <laughs> you could. MR2. <laughs> that's that's better. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's that. Th those are gonna make it a lot easier. You still have to worry about kind of closing off that that very back where the exhaust is, but it's a lot easier to manage there. But for most of us that are working with kind of front engine, rear wheel drive, front engine, front wheel drive, this is gonna be something you have to worry about. So running running that exhaust is gonna uh, out the side is gonna be very beneficial and. I mean, ideally, you can just run it straight out the hood, but unfortunately, most most racing organizations have to make you have it exit behind the the main roll hoop. But I I feel like they should let it. Yeah, I mean, there's so Under many benefits. For life, you know. 
so many benefits of running out the hood. Then it's it's loud. I mean, who loves everyone loves it being loud. Yeah. Um it you know, it lower back pressure and it looks cool and you can and see both. your own fireballs. Exactly. You can see your fireballs and then also you can see uh like oil or coolant coming out of it if you have a failing <laughs> engine. It's a it's a good it's a good uh it's a safe troubleshooting measure. device, yeah. So but unfortunately, I think outside of drag racing, I don't really see see that being possible. So, uh, at least rules wise. So, so yeah, I mean, running it down the side is going to really benefit you there uh, when making a flat bottom. Um, so then, uh, and then, so yeah, you just want to going to want to make sure you make it as as flat and smooth as possible. No kind of weird transitions or anything, because that's going to help keep that air attached all the way through the bottom of the car and also keep that boundary layer from building up too much and basically stalling out that kind of underbody that you're trying to get a lot of good airflow through so um so from from there you're going to head up to the back so rear diffusers a lot of times you can see them on lots of different cars nowadays you can you look at the back of like a, a ford mustang and they have sweet looking little mini diffusers and stuff on it um and they they look good uh but they're not they're not exactly uh effective i guess a lot of people just think that if something's on a car like if uh, you know one of these big companies they have a designer doing something it's it's for a good reason but there's a lot of reasons for things and styling is something that can uh uh, trump a lot of different uh, aspects of a car so a lot of yep. times it's 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 more to look good maybe yeah, you there's get, you get those uh design studio people making these yeah. uh i don't know just going their own way making things mm-hmm. look good and giving you some fake news advice so yeah so watch out yeah the you know having it's it's all a balance. So a lot of times, uh, those those kind of rear diffusers that you see, they're they're a lot for looks. Maybe they can get a count or two in drag reduction because that's that's the other most most uh, most OEM aerodynamics uh, kind of aerodynamic development goes into to drag reduction. Uh, occasionally they'll foray into a little bit of downforce stuff for your really high performance cars, but nothing kind of too crazy so uh but but basically having a similar approach to your race car just kind of slapping a diffuser on the back without having a flat bottom feeding it is kind of a uh, potentially not uh, very effective kind of pursuit because um, that diffuser if it's not getting nice clean fast flowing air it's it's not really going to do too much uh, other than uh potentially slightly reduce kind of the separation or kind of pressure build up that you get in the rear of the car uh, kind of like behind the rear bumper so if you're able to kind of smooth out the rear it can help the air flow at least from the bottom of the car out but uh for the most part it's not really going to be maybe it's just a, a small drag improvement it's not going to be much of a downforce improvement so if you're going to add a diffuser definitely uh, you're going to want a flat bottom Um, but with that said as far as the diffuser itself kind of as we were talking about earlier the the one thing we see done kind of wrong is is people trying to make as huge of a diffuser as possible they they have it going up at like a 30 degree angle and it looks sweet and and you know it, it's got to be working. It looks good. It's huge. I mean, race cars have real race cars have big diffusers. Um, but that's, that's actually not necessarily the case. I mean, if you look at a formula one car now, they're very rules limited and everything they do is very much to, to, to work within those rules. But I mean, yep. you look at their diffuser and it's, it's tiny comparatively. So, and, but they're creating so much downforce with it. So, it's not really about the angle. Now, like we said, uh, you you can find some papers online keeping it kind of around that ten to thirteen degree range should should be sustainable as far as a uh, kind of a separation uh, 
point of view. So that's that's one area to start. Um, and then you can also add uh, a few uh, kind of veins in the center of that to help to help keep it attached. Um, but that can that can add a little bit of drag, but it's not uh, it's not it's not going to be a huge effect. Um, and then another thing I've seen actually with those veins is basically they'll 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 space the veins a lot closer on the outer edge of the diffuser, and that's kind of almost trying to isolate the the dirty air coming off the rear wheels and and trying to prevent that from kind of messing with the rest of the diffuser. So by kind of almost sacrificing your outer kind of channels of your diffuser, you then can maybe improve kind of the flow through the middle uh, of the diffuser by trying to keep those separated off. So that's one thing I've seen on some time attack cars. Um, but, uh, I mean, the, seen that on real race cars too. Yes. Not the time attack cars aren't, I guess, but, um, Manufacturer-made race cars, I guess. Yeah, like GT3 and GTD or GTE. Yep. So, so yeah, it's it's something you'll see. So, um, I imagine they're doing it for a reason. I haven't seen you know the the actual CFD results or anything of that, but that's my understanding of of what they're doing there. Um, but speaking of time attack cars, uh, a lot of the times the reason why you see such giant diffusers uh, on those is because they are trying to start that diffuser basically as further forward of the car as possible. So as I was trying to explain with kind of the peak pressure or the, I guess the peak air velocity of the diffuser will be at the very beginning of that uh, kind of before it starts expanding. So that'll be your lowest pressure. So at um, basically at the, when we're talking underbody arrow, you know, lowering the pressure at the bottom relatively increases the pressure on the top, which is going to give you downforce. So it just, but think of it as sucking the car to the ground, right? Yes. And by, but by moving that point forward, that, that kind of initial expansion point of the diffuser forward, you're then moving the center of pressure of your underbody forward. So that can, uh, that can help out in a lot of ways. If you, if you are front downforce limited, maybe your splitter, kind of can't be bit by regulation can't be really large and you can't fit really large kind of splitter diffusers in and um short of adding a giant front wing off the hood or something you you can't really get too much more front downforce having that uh diffuser start kind of towards the center of the car can really help that and then also it really helps keep that center of pressure from changing as you go up in speed so uh, basically it makes for a, a more stable car. So since, you know, having a really extreme diffuser angle can create a lot of separation issues and basically ruin the efficiency of that diffuser by starting it earlier, you can then have it expand overall much larger by keeping it at that relatively low angle, but then expanding it as you go along the car. So that's why you'll see, that's how those, you know, time attack cars can get away with such huge splitter or diffusers because right it's not necessarily a more aggressive angle it's just starting sooner yes and but it ends being larger just because of that extra distance yeah and starting it that early though is i mean there's a reason why those guys have to chop up their car those cars so much is because basically in order to do that you're you're cutting into probably uh, potentially the unibody the the of the car you're basically you're going to be running your rear suspension through those tunnels uh, and maybe your drive shafts and everything so so those are going to slightly affect the efficiency of the diffuser but having that larger diffuser overall is going to benefit them but it's it's definitely very challenging to run a, dis- a diffuser like that a lot of times yeah you got to cut your entire trunk out and maybe even like the rear seat area of your car, you're, you're modifying that. So it's, it's definitely more, definitely way more in the advanced side as far as, uh, <laughs> arrow. So, you know, just doing a, but for, you know, just amateur level kind of wheel to wheel racing champ car, WLA or that kind of stuff. I think a lot of cars could see a 
pretty good benefit from going with a a flat bottom with into a diffuser that starts right around the rear diff and then kind of expanding it out at that maybe 10 to 13 degrees um, and then adding some veins if, if needed if you and, and you know you can throw a throw a GoPro under there and add some wool tufts and see how if the air is staying attached to the top of that diffuser then you know that the angle isn't too extreme um, you could try kind of flow vis paint I've seen online some cheap ways to kind of make that um, yeah, that might be a, a decent way to, I guess, not affect what you're watching, right? Because mm -hmm. throwing a GoPro under there will undoubtedly um, affect your flow, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's very, it doesn't intrude on, on kind of how everything's working there by, by using some Flovis paint. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of ways you can try to practically do it. Um, but I mean, ultimately you can just throw a, a driver that knows the car well and knows, knows how to handle it well and see, kind of get their feedback on it too. That can always be useful. So, um, but I guess, uh, one, one more thing to look out for with the underbody and especially with a diffuser as well, uh, like we were saying with underbody cooling, getting that exhaust out of there, but even that might not be enough in a lot of cases. So uh, you still have parts like if it's rear wheel drive, you have your, your drive shaft, your rear diff, transmission. All of those rely on some cooling uh, from, the, from airflow underneath the car in order to, to you know, keep the oil temperature down, uh, in order to maybe prevent like things like seals uh, or, or other things from getting too hot. Sure. I so, mean... If you look at the fins on a E30, I think probably mm -hmm. a lot of our audience has seen an E30. Um, mm -hmm. The fins on the diff, they get pretty wild. They're very intricate. Um, yeah. Or large anyway. And that's to cool the diff. Like you need airflow over that for those to work. You know. Yeah. So, so that's where you're gonna want to start. Uh, ideally, you can have some oil temperature sensors in, in your transmission and diff and be able to monitor that. And you can mess with basically adding ducting, whether it's, you can potentially duct from the top of the car or like the windows, you could duct, basically make ducts that go through the kind of rear trunk area into the diff area. Uh, you can add some NACA ducts to the, to the diff, to, to kind of the flat bottom itself in order to pull air up into those, those parts. Um, and if you use something like a NACA duct, which uh, basically it's a profile designed to uh, kind of pull pull air from a flat surface relatively efficiently. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, you can find them. You can there's there's you can buy them basically anywhere. You can buy molded uh, ones, or you can find profiles online to make them. It's it's pretty easy. Yeah, so they're gonna be your kind of most efficient way to to duct from that underbody but of course as we said that'll that will affect the efficiency of it but ultimately if your car can't go more than 10 laps without overheating the transmission or something then it's not going to be anywhere near as fast as a car that 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 uh <laughs> that can be reliable so <laughs> yeah you got to uh, finish right yes so that's that's one place we've we on on our on our lemons volvo we messed with some flat bottom stuff and yeah we found uh we had some issues with with heat damage stuff when when running that flat bottom i think we had a fuel pump fail so that's that's just it's it's underneath the car kind of in the open and it relied on some air cooling and by having not only that, but funneling basically some hot exhaust heat towards it also didn't help. So we had some, some issues there and, uh, ultimately we found that the, we couldn't make a nice and efficient enough flat bottom, uh, to warrant really having it. Once we took it off, we didn't really see much difference in lap time other than the, the added, the, we saw some benefit from basically taking almost 30 pounds off the car in, in parts. And then ultimately, uh, when we race it in champ car, then we don't have to use those points towards that. So really in, in that case, it didn't seem really worth it. Uh, so it, it's definitely the flat bottom and diffuser can be where you can find a 
a lot of gains in both drag as well as downforce, but it can be kind of the hardest area to execute because, I mean, also you got to think about when you have to say you have to change a clutch or a transmission or you have a failure during a race. Now you need to remove that entire flat bottom assembly. So, you know, you can come up with some smart ways to make it easily removable, but you know, that's gonna, that's gonna take some time and development. You're gonna have to create like a kind of mounting structure under the car to, to fit it properly. And so it can be, it could be a lot of, uh, a difficulty, uh, to implement it versus maybe if it's not designed right, it won't be too much of a reward. So it's definitely the last place to look and it's where, it's where you can gain a lot, but you just have to be very mindful that it's done right. And you're not creating any reliability concerns or, or kind of working on, working on the car concerns. So, but yeah, I mean, from there, that's where kind of, I think that's where your amateur level arrow kind of ends. Um, that's where my kind of knowledge starts to, to get a little thinner, but, uh, but I mean, just using those ideas, uh, can get you pretty good gains on the track. Uh, um, I mean, from there you can, yeah, that, that's where from there it's, you're going to, want to hire someone that, who knows some some <laughs> CFDing and maybe rent out a wind tunnel too to to, to test different things it's, from there I think you're starting to get out of your kind of budget um, budget racing series and you're getting more into professional or you know full-on very high high dollar high funded kind of uh, situation so right yeah I, I think if you manage to keep the core concepts um in your head then everything else just sort of lines up um without going too crazy obviously mm -hmm. you know um if you're not trying to capture or control the weight coming off of tires right you just Bernoulli's principle one side's high speed one side's low speed you know creating a pressure differential um, as long as you keep that in mind, mm -hmm. I think things should be relatively easy, you know, at least to think about, right. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, one thing we didn't mention and, you know, we don't need to go over it probably, but you know, if someone's makes some hood vents, you know, what's going to happen there? Well, what's the temperature of the, the air that's coming out? What does that mean for the density? Mm -hmm. um, so then you're going to have, you can sort of extrapolate uh, what's going to happen with your pressure and everything from there. So just don't forget your core concepts and uh, uh, that'll help you out the most. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's a, I think there's a lot of kind of monkey see monkey do with a lot of arrow stuff. So it just, yeah, be careful. Don't just copy without really knowing the, the idea behind it. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah like, uh, I was just going to say, I've seen some people put arrow devices on the car that either didn't work. Um, but other teams didn't know that. So they copied it. Um, <laughs> or they put something on the car that, they either thought looked cool or they were trying to trick somebody another team still copy it. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. uh, race your own race, play your own game sort of thing. Uh, know what you're doing. Don't just copy what you see unless you're going for looks, you know, if, if that's what you care about, then, uh, you know, do whatever you want. But yeah. Yeah. I guess uh, you, you brought up, uh, you bring up hood vents makes me want to quickly kind of go through a couple kind of little things I see people do wrong to kind of close out this segment. But, uh, but so areas I can see people have kind of low hanging fruit is, uh, is something like with a hood vent, you want to make sure you're, uh, you're starting that hood vent as close, as close to the front of the hood as possible and towards the radiator is that's going to be kind of your, 
uh, lowest pressure area of the hood. As you get more, as you get closer to the windshield, the the pressure kind of builds. As you get kind of, it, it kind of stagnates at the at the base of the windshield. So a lot of times, like people will see, uh, people add some venting there. Like the you'll see those like cowl hoods for uh, drag drag cars. There's a reason why drag cars use those, and that's to get air funneled into the intake. So basically, they're pulling air from that base of the windshield into into where they have their carburetor or whatever and their their big air cleaner. Uh, they're also obviously they're creating some some clearance for their giant you know supercharger mega, mega carb and supercharger and all that stuff. Yeah. But they can also use it as a kind of an intake benefit as an inlet. Of course, when you're trying to make hood venting ducts for your cooling system, that's going to be it's the opposite direction. That's the opposite direction. So <laughs> you want you want them as far you know, kind of towards the front of the hood as possible. Uh, and the further kind of outward you can put them can also help a little bit there too. Um, but, but yeah, those, but, but you can find some small downforce benefits from venting that kind of, uh, high dirty, high pressure, dirty air from the, the engine bay. Basically by venting it out the hood, you're preventing it from vent out, venting out kind of the, the wheel well area or the underbody, which can, help kind of improve overall efficiency so but right and but, not to mention that helps your cooling right you're extracting if you place it right you know you're extracting that um well hopefully not like completely stagnating but that that air that's right behind the radiator you're giving it a place to go so to speak um yeah so you know if you're having cooling of, problems maybe you know it's not just a downforce device but uh you know yeah just a good one all around yeah and uh one one thing to i mean the, the most efficient way to, to kind of duck that radiator air is to have a, a kind of closed system where you're ducting have a duct that seals to the front of the radiator seals to the rear and then vents straight out the hood that that's your best case scenario but a lot of times okay. it's kind of hard to fit that in most cars because right behind the radiator is the whole fan assembly and then the engine's basically almost touching that. So, uh, in order to do that, a lot of times you have to kind of reposition, maybe lean forward that radiator. Um, I mean, one, one thing to look out for there is if you lower your radiator and if it's the type that either has the cap on it or is meant to be the highest point in the cooling system, that can create some problems, but that's, yeah, maybe we could go over that in a, another episode kind of cooling system stuff. Um, uh, but then, uh, also like a lot of the airflow into the engine bay, uh, uh, that's used to cool it is, is actually coming through the radiator opening. So that's one area to, to look out for. Maybe you might need some slight additional venting, but also the benefit of ducting your radiator out is you're the hot rear, uh, radiator air that's coming out is not going to go right into the engine bay. So there's there's a lot of things to look out for there, but that's, that's kind of your optimal setup if you can fit it, but just adding some vents can help your downforce, potentially your front downforce a little bit, maybe drag a tiny bit and then you're cooling. So, but yeah, keep them away from that, the base of the windshield. Uh, that'll be potentially you're just making kind of <laughs> right. The base inlets. of the windshield is a high pressure area, right? So yeah, you can't really vent to a high pressure and we'll try and push the opposite direction. Yeah, so so that's that's not good. Um and then and then I guess another area that I see a lot of people kind of especially in like uh say Champ Car where you're not you're you're not allowed to run glass. Uh, basically a lot of teams will just remove all of the glass from the car and then not replace it with anything. Of course, they keep you can keep your glass windshield, but the side windows which are required to be open uh, but then you have your kind of rear quarter windows, or if it's a four door, your your rear rear door windows, and then your your back window. Kind of not having windows there is going to be a huge drag penalty. You're going to have a lot of air recirculation coming off the top of the car, and and really messing with that air that you want working with your wing, your rear wing. And then also, it's it, I've seen it even in certain types of cars, like kind of hatchbacks, uh, it can be dangerous for. If there's a fire out the back of the car, a lot of times it can recirculate back into the car if you don't have a rear window. So, sure. Kinda... Yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, and maybe correct me if this analogy is wrong, but I think a lot of people think of it 
as, oh, well, if I replace those parts, I'm just throwing air into my car and they think of a parachute. Um, yeah. Whereas it's more of you have X volume of air in your car um, and it does circulate somewhat, but you're not continuously, I guess, refilling it with mm -hmm. the air that you're driving through. Um, it's better, though incorrect, it's probably better to think of it as stagnant. And then mm -hmm. by sealing uh, the windows behind you, that's, I mean, that, that gives you that benefit of keeping the air stagnant, where if it's open, it's moving. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, like you said, you're keeping that flow more attached to the car and that's how you keep your aerodynamic devices working. Exactly. Yeah. So that's one, one area where I think you can see quite a big benefit from really not too much, uh, work a little extra weight, but, um, but I think overall pretty big aero benefit. Uh, so I think th that's one, I think two areas that the hood vents and the, the windows is one area, two areas where I see maybe, uh, kind of low hanging fruit that people are, are not, uh, either maybe not doing right or, or could just improve relatively easily. So, you know what I'm a little surprised I haven't seen more of in this crab can racing, as long as we're What's still that? just adding in little bits and pieces here. Um, those sick vortex generators you might see on someone's Evo. <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. Vortex generators. I mean, they, they can be, there's people can do studies and they can find they work. Uh, mainly it's trying to keep maybe, uh, maybe air coming off like in specifically the Evo. I think the, the actual Mitsubishi rally cars had, had those parts, but it was kind of, it was trying to keep the air attached as it kind of comes over that really steep rear window to then affect that wing that they, I'm sure there was homologated to have a certain size or, or, or something. So, I mean, I think they can work, but, uh, I don't think they work the way, uh, as, as much as, I guess, as effectively as people think, but yeah, I'm, I am surprised. I don't see those like all over people's cars. Yeah. But they do look cool. They do well, look cool. They look cool. And if you need more advertisement to put it on your crap can race car, they're on airplanes. Oh, that's right. They are so, on airplanes. Like big bombers and stuff. So there you go. Real world use. It's good <laughs> enough for you. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. Just just keep sticking things on your car and you know. <laughs> I mean, if it looks cool, it looks cool. I mean, if you want it to perform well, that's another story, but uh uh, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's other ways you can keep airflow attached or, or just maybe, uh, put your wing in a spot where you don't need those, that kind of thing. So, you know, just, just because you see a certain race car do something doesn't mean it's uh, <laughs> going to be best for you. So yeah, as we said, so just uh, a couple things to look out for, um, but yeah, I think that, uh, I think that basically covers us for, Intro to Arrow Part Two, Amateur Racing Edition. Um, I mean, I think maybe in the future we could do kind of a little more research on some of those more uh, kind of complex parts you see on kind of prototype and formula cars. But I think that, like we said, that kind of uh, implementing those can be much more difficult. Uh, but that's something we could go into if there's some interest there. Yeah. And some of it is, it, I think we should go into it. Um, I mean, intros to these different concepts are good. Um, you know, and then we'll, we'll just make sure that everybody's on the same page before we get too technical. Right. But I do want to get pretty technical. Um, cause that's the cool part. I mean, mm -hmm. we're engineers, right? We're not, you know, that that's where I want to go. Um, so 
but I, I think this is this is a good place to start so we're all sort of on this baseline um you know and and when we start talking about these more technical things it's really just in the pursuit of why and knowledge because it's neat yeah. um one formula front wing assembly uh is two years worth of full-time employee workers work right so yeah. what is it if you work 40 hours a week 50 working weeks in a year that's 2,000 hours right mm -hmm. um so they take 4,000 hours to make uh yeah. you're probably not, not going to do that in your garage <laughs> so <laughs> we're not trying yeah. to get anybody to make this stuff it's just cool to explore uh why and how they work exactly yeah we're not saying like that many to, to manufacture that's that's design analysis iteration after iteration and then yeah finally some very high skilled technician lays it up and yes yeah, so it, it's it for them to get to that level you know these are full-time employees working so you know in order to get that wing out in in a three-month off season or whatever they're going to have 10 you know 15 guys working on the whole thing and so <laughs> yeah it's that's where i mean that's where i mean we don't really have the expertise but we can do our best to, i mean i think sometimes it helps to explain it from a, a level of kind of someone who maybe isn't an expert of it trying to kind of explain it uh, as best they can to maybe someone who doesn't have experience with it so it's it's yeah it's it's what we we love the tech we love the we love uh the designs that go that that uh, you know these race teams come up with so it's we'd like to go through those as much as we can but but all the stuff we've gone through in these first two aero episodes really i mean if you look at any gt3 car that's mostly what they're using they're using splitters flat bottoms diffusers rear wings and that's that's about it but they're hitting sustain two g's in the corners their their lap times are very very quick so you know there's you can get quite far with just those and in, in optimizing those so mm -hmm. this will get you started and then yeah if we in the future we can go through some more uh complex stuff but but yeah that that basically finishes off this one um, I think, uh, I guess a little sneak peek. One thing we were, uh, thinking of doing is for specifically for our champ car audience, we were thinking of doing kind of a, a road to the championship series where we kind of go through the contenders and maybe even have some people, have some teams on to interview them and see what their plans are, their strategies, if they, uh, what are they doing to, to maybe be able to get that win. So that's one thing we're, we're talking about doing um and then of course continuing with our our other kind of tech talks just you know t like like aero tires that kind of thing and then of course covering covering the daytona 24 and and any other racing uh, coming up here so, so yep. yeah, stay tuned um thanks again for listening with us and and if yeah if you have any questions or uh, requests or corrections or anything, uh, <laughs> uh, feel free to reach out to us on our, our Facebook, which is Motorsports Tech Talk, or our Instagram at Motorsports Tech Talk. Uh, both of those we, we're trying to post on more. We'll, we put all the episodes up there. Uh, the Instagram, we, uh, we're, we're trying to post up more and more, just little, little tidbits here and there. Yep. So feel free to yeah, uh, give us a packs. follow. Yeah. Give us a follow. Give us a subscribe on our, we have a YouTube as well. We put, you know, we put these episodes up there too, to, to make them accessible to more people. Um, so yeah, just uh, feel free to follow, subscribe, rate, whatever, you know, hit the like button. Is that, that's a thing, right? Is it? So, yeah. Do that. <laughs> so yeah, we, Thanks again for listening and we'll uh we'll talk to you again soon.